0: Welcome to She Said, She Said's podcast, which is a broadcast only of rock and roll comparisons and contrasts. I am Lena Stagg, your culinary chef and author of the Recipe Records Cookbook Series. It's a series of four rock and roll cookbooks that mix and blend rock history, facts, trivia, and photos with delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes that are themed around music genres and bands and artists. If you love music from the 60s through the 90s, you'll love Recipe Records. There's a book for every music preference. So check them out at my website, LenaStag.com, And while you're there, sign up for my free rock blog and newsletter.
1: Hey guys, I am Jude Sutherland Kessler, author of the John Lennon series, a proposed nine volume expanded biography that chronicles, of course, the life of John Lennon. And if you talk about John, you cannot help but talk about his wonderful mates, the Beatles. It's presented to the reader in a researched and documented narrative historical format. So you read it as a story, but everything is heavily researched and documented. The latest volume in the series, Should Have Known Better, takes you through that amazingly crazy whirlwind year of 1964, the year of Beatlemania. You'll ride along with the lads as they make A Hard Day's Night, and then they go on that world tour that our guest today is going to talk about, very significant world tour, their first one. Then they hit North America, Canada, and the U.S. for that over a month tour of the States and Canada. They come right back and make Beatles for sale. Set out on the Autumn UK tour. It's a crazy year. Check out Should Have Known Better on my website at johnlenonseries.com
0: And you won't regret it. It is a fantastic book and I I read it three times and I really, really love it. <laughs> I uh, know that if you are a Beatles fan, and you wouldn't necessarily have to be just a John fan, but any fan is going to just be hanging on every word of this book. It's terrific. So make sure you go to our website and sign up for the newsletter. So you, when you go to our website, a, blog, a little box comes up, and you just enter in your email address, And we will keep you abreast of our speaking engagements and book signings. And from time to time, we'll send you coupons and discounts. Everyone
1: loves those. Yeah, but we probably won't be doing any of that for the next few days because (laughs) Lena and I are co-chairs for Beatles at the Ridge, Authors and Artists Symposium, which is coming up in just 22 days. Oh, my gosh, September 20th and 21st in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. Now, this is a free, F-R-E-E, free two-day Beatles symposium featuring some of the most respected Beatles experts and authors from all across the United States. For example, Bruce Spicer, the international guru of Beatles music and records, will be speaking on Friday night as will our extremely special guest on the podcast today.
0: Yes, you might know this guest as the rock and roll detective, or he might be more familiar to you as the Harrison family's official historian for the film George Harrison, Living in the Material World. Or you might have seen his name on a well-worn copy of that Amazon bestseller, the Beetle Who Vanished: The Story of Jimmy Nickel. He wears all of those hats, and right now he's also overwhelmingly busy transforming his great book on Jimmy Nickel into the screenplay for a major motion picture coming soon, as they say, to a theater near you. He's also the executive producer of the film as well. So Jude, we can say that we knew him when <laughs> absolutely
1: absolutely oh yes we did but that's not all guys I mean yeah that would be enough for me but our guest is also writing a new book on rock and roll mysteries and of course the Beatles will be in there but also the traveling Wilburys the Beach Boys <clears throat> the Rolling Stones Bob Marley Nirvana Elvis and many 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 more so Hear this, and this is this is the part that people like Lena and I love. If you're a historian and you want to get to the truth of the matter instead of the legends and the myths that proliferate the rock and roll world, our guest today gets to the bottom and solves those mysteries once and for all. Intrigued? Well, he's going to be sharing some of those dark and mysterious rock quandaries with us on Friday night at Beatles at the Ridge. And he's not only going to be there speaking, he is Beatles at the Ridge's featured author for 2019. And more importantly to Lena and I, he is a dear friend of ours. We are so thrilled and so honored to welcome to the show the rock and roll detective, Mr. Jim Birkenstadt. Hey, Jim.
2: Hey, Jude and Lena. How, how are you guys? I'm So happy and honored to be on your show today. You know, uh, we go back many years and are great (laughs) friends and fellow Beatles scholars for life. It's so much fun whenever we can get together, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to all the fans at the Beatles at the Ridge coming up in September.
0: We are. So delighted to have you here, and we cannot wait to hear about no more fake news
1: (laughs) (laughs) in the rock
2: world, of course.
1: That could be the subtitle of your book, Jim. I'm sorry? That could be the subtitle for your new book.
2: Well, I definitely use that phrase uh, many times in the book, but I Mm -hmm. have not. Yeah, that would be good. Like, no no more fake news in rock and roll history. That could be a good title. (laughs) That's
1: good, Lena. I love it. (laughs) there you go
0: there you
1: go well jim we want to really thank you from our hearts for headlining our amazing group this year at Beatles at the ridge we've wanted to get you there for many years and we're so thrilled that you're going to be there and at the end of the show today we're going to have the official mc for the show this year susan ryan is going to come in and talk about the complete and really stellar lineup but i have to say that everyone is so excited about having you speak twice during the symposium, as well as, you know, air quote, narrating the showing of Martin Scorsese's George Harrison living in the material world for us. So if you don't mind, tell our listeners about the role that you played in the making of that Landmark film.
2: Sure, sure. Well, that project was a great honor for me, as you can imagine. Out of all the people in the world, to ensure the historical accuracy of George Harrison's life and career, an official biofilm, Olivia Harrison chose me. So I still can't get over that. That's a a wonderful feeling. And I I still remember her call. Uh, She called up one night and said, Hey, Jim, how are you doing? I I hope I'm not bothering you because it's pretty late there. And it was was 8 p.m. I said, No, Mm -hmm. no bother at all, Olivia. But I said, Isn't it like, 14 o'clock in England right now? <laughs> uh, well, it probably is, but I'm in L.A. I said, oh, okay. So anyway, she said, I've been talking to this guy, Marty, and I think we're going to do a deal, and uh, I'd like you to be the historical consultant, and we're going to make a film about George's life. Would, would you do that for me? Wow. And like flabbergasted, I said, well, first of all, how fast can I say yes? Yes, yeah honored. And then second of all, when you use the term Marty, does that indicate Martin Scorsese? And she goes, yeah, (laughs) Marty. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So I was was completely floored and and honored. So uh, I got to um, work closely with Olivia to locate rare recordings, film footage. I worked uh, on almost a day-by-day basis with producer Blair Foster on sorting fact from fiction or from fake news as Lena would like to say and locating artifacts that they wanted, answering questions that they had Um, you know like sometimes for example a piece of footage where it was just silent footage maybe someone took it with a home you know 8mm silent camera and then we figured out from George's lips and the chords what song they were doing so that we could later sync it up if need be with with audio. Wow! Uh, I worked in New York with David Tedeschi who was Martin, oh wait Marty (laughs) we we were working on dating footage of George and helping with shaping the story I gave a lot of feedback on the narrative uh, and in that respect uh, it was funny when I went there to uh, view like a six or an eight hour rough cut of the film you know, the next day I was to meet with the producer and the producer, Blair Foster, and David Tedeschi, the editor, two separate meetings. And I knew there were going to be long meetings because it's a six, eight-hour movie. So I brought along a legal pad and a pen. And, you know, all these people are milling about outside this, uh, showing and they're all people, you know, related to the production. And all of a sudden this, uh, producer woman who shall go nameless came up to me and said what are you doing with that legal pad you can't have that in here and I said <laughs> well I'm the uh, historical consultant and I've been asked by the editor and the producer of the film to give feedback tomorrow and this is an eight-hour film and I don't think I can remember eight hours oh, <laughs> material. she's like well, I'm taking that away from you. So she, she grabbed the uh, legal pad, she let me keep the pen, and I, I realized I had 15 minutes before the showing, so I calmly walked back across the street to my hotel, looked around my room, and there by the phone were all these little square. pieces. picked them up, put them inside my sport coat, walked back to the film, went to see where this woman was sitting. She was sitting in the last row because was too cool from New York. I went down to the first row, pulled out my papers, pulled out my uh the flashlight on my phone and began taking lots of tiny little notes. And it's a good thing I did because they appreciated all my feedback the next day and said, "We're glad that you uh you know, we're glad that you you did take the notes." So, it was, it was really a three-year dream project and a real labor of love.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. And obviously, Olivia wouldn't have called you had you not been extremely knowledgeable about George to begin with. But during the making of the film, was there anything that you found out about him that you hadn't known previously?
2: Well, I'd say I learned more about George's love of gardening. You know, I got more detail on that and also about his passion for, for Formula One auto races and the mm-hmm. race car drivers that he uh, admired. You know, yeah. just as we admire Beatles and Clapton and rock and roll people, he admired race car drivers, you know, so he was a fan of them. He, For us to go backstage, it's he got to go into the pits you know, and meet his heroes. So it was really kind of uh-huh. interesting. And, in fact, George Harrison's choice of Nelson Wilbury, the name he used in the first Traveling, Traveling Wilburys album, found its origin in his hobby of following Formula One race car drivers and competitions. He re, uh, you know, Harrison recalled how he came to love car racing at an early age. He said, quote, I." I used to go to watch motorcycle racing at Ainley in Liverpool, <laughs> <laughs> and I that was my- <laughs> advertising star <laughs> racing. So anyway, <laughs> he said he used to go up there, and and his earliest memory was of seeing a Jaguar racing against the Mercedes Benz. So so Harrison, uh, he never had one favorite di- driver. He had a fan. He was a fan of many drivers, including. Jackie Stewart, who was, of course, memorialized in his song, Harrison's song, Faster. Emerson Fitzipaldi, who uh, George once memorialized with a Get Well video that he sang after uh, Emerson crashed, and he sang Here Comes Emerson to the tune of Here Comes the Sun. Wow. Uh, mm. uh, Damon Hill, who Harrison had jammed with on guitar at his house, but... Uh, Nelson Wilbury was named after one of George's other favorite drivers. This person was known as a practical joker on the race circuit, circuit and it's not a surprise that Harrison took his Wilbury name from driver Nelson Piquet, or Piquet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Danny confirmed this to me. He said, yeah, my dad had chosen Nelson Wilbury after Nelson Piquette, the race driver. <laughs> wow. I also I had some lost video footage uh, that I had never seen before of George. And what we did was we looked at his clothing. He was wearing the Cracker Box Palace vest, his hairstyle. Uh, So I was able to pinpoint the era of newly found footage that even I had never seen. But it's because it had never been broadcast. It had gone into the wrong film can and was mislabeled Mm. with something completely different.
1: How long did it take you to do that? How long did you work on the project?
2: I think it was about three years from start to finish. Wow. That is
1: unbelievably, you are living the dream, man. You are living the dream. I
2: still have a dream. Uh, You are? Being on this podcast is still living the dream. Oh,
1: thank you so much. Well. yes. In the opening, you know, I alluded to the new book that you're working on, um, and I know because you and I talked when I was in New Orleans a couple of years ago, you were working on it. So you're you're doing this great new book on rock and roll mysteries, and I know you're not really going to be addressing that topic specifically while you're at the Ridge, but give our listeners a quick overview of what your new book is going to be about, and if you know when it might be coming out, we'd love to know that as well.
2: Well. Uh I'm just finishing it up. I think I'm just finishing the last chapter, unless another mm-hmm. really cool mystery falls into my lap. Uh, and then I'll probably, my editor and I, will go through it one more time all the way through the whole thing, make sure it's clean. And then I'll, I'll probably first pitch it to a couple of publishers I know and after they foolishly reject it, yep. I will, I'll then sell another 30,000 copies all on my own. So we'll see. I'll, I'll definitely let you guys know when, uh, when it comes out and how it's coming out. But in the meantime, it's a, it is a book of, of musical mysteries. It examines the secrets, myths, legends, hoaxes, and, and wildly inexplicable events that are just such an intriguing hmm. part of rock and roll. And as the rock and roll detective, I've spent d- decades researching the mysteries hidden within music and the urban legends about the people who made the music. In many cases, stories were hastily prepared or even fabricated by the media. Imagine that. Huh. <laughs> and just as often, these stories sort of then become frozen in time, and then they're mired in a hasty or flawed conclusion. And so it just keeps getting passed on as the wrong story. So many mysteries still exist in rock for the simple reason also that many survivors and eyewitnesses have never either spoken out or have never been asked the tough questions until now. I travel back in time to the 1950s to uncover who really discovered Elvis Presley. Ooh. Uh, Visit a time in the 1960s when a famous folk troubadour uh, actually used a famous producer to assemble a supergroup with members of the Beatles and the R- Rolling Stones. Uh, I discover which members said yes to that uh, proposition and which members declined. So I go behind the scenes of the CIA and their intrigue in Jamaica, nineteen seventy six, to discover whether or not the CIA tried to influence an election and arrange for the assassination of reggae superstar Bob Marley. Wow. Another another chapter I determine whether or not the Beach Boys actually stole a song from psychotic cult murderer huh? and wannabe rock. Star, Charles Manson, and, mm-hmm. and determine whether they kept all the credits and royalties.
0: So, mm-hmm. he, yeah. I just read about that instance in Ivor Davis' book.
2: Yes. Well, Ivor doesn't know the whole story.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> this is solid gold, Jim.
2: <laughs> yep. I'll just tell you that I found the only living witness who had never been asked these questions what tra- what was the transaction between Dennis Wilson and Charles Manson, and no one's ever talked to this guy about it, and in fact he's hiding out because he's still scared that Manson and his well Manson's dead but his followers might come after him. He's really, no mm-hmm. in the area, and it was it was even an interesting story of how I how I was able to find this guy, but I'll just tell you that Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters gave me his phone number.
1: Wow. Huh. Man, I cannot wait. Yeah, each chapter. Ta- Taylor
0: Hawkins that. has come to, has come up in our past two radio uh, podcasts, and I think maybe it's time for us to ask Taylor Hawkins to be on the show.
2: You should.
1: That is, that's an exciting book, man. That that book is going to be it's going to be one of those that I regret that I open because then I won't sleep for two or three nights. I'll just keep reading and reading and reading and reading. <laughs>
2: So the way I wrote it was so that you know, after you finish a chapter, you can go to bed, and then you've got another chapter the next night. Yeah, you know. that
1: sounds great, man. Well, a more important thing that you're doing, if it's if I look at it that way, is that yay, yay, yay! You're headed to Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. On September the 20th and 21st, to be our one and only featured author for Beatles at the Ridge after wanting you there for years. Woohoo! So, mm-hmm. our theme this year is Beatles memorabilia, and you actually have uh, quite a few large pieces of memorabilia that you'll be talking about during your presentation on Friday night, showing us great photos and giving us stories about those. So tell us about just one of those items. Give us a little bit of a sneak peek.
2: Well, I'm really looking forward to to sharing my experiences Friday night at at the Beatles at the Ridge and and speaking about collecting and authenticating high-end collectibles with those folks there. My speech is called The Pleasures and Perils of Collecting high-end Beatles memorabilia and one of the items I speak about is actually a lesson in caution. It's not one that I purchased or that anyone I know I think it has yet to be purchased because of what I found out so here we go with this one, this example. So how do we authenticate a a musical instrument allegedly used by a Beatle? The answer is not so easily. So one day I was offered a Ludwig snare drum, quote, owned and used by Ringo Starr while he was with the Beatles, end mm. quote. It came with a letter handwritten by Ringo himself stating I am Ringo I am Richard Starkey uh-huh. and I owned and used this drum while I was with the Beatles. I authenticated the letter, it was definitely Ringo's handwriting. End of story, right? No. The asking mm-hmm. price, $15,000. So that was the first red flag. Auction results for a Beatle-used snare drum with a letter from Ringo should be worth eighty to to $100,000. So I, I wondered, first of all, why is this being sold so cheaply? So then I sent the drum, the photo, and the serial number to Ludwig Drums, and I found that the drum was manufactured two years after the Beatles broke up. That yeah. would be one. One reason, you know, why the price was low. Then I tracked down the person who actually asked Ringo to write the letter on behalf of this drum tech that Ringo had given the drum to. He is also a drummer, and he said, quote, Ringo never played that drum and never with the Beatles because it didn't exist during the Beatles' time. Huh. It wasn't the right type of, of, uh, uh, for his style of playing, It was sent to him by Ludwig as a promo to try out as a sample in the 1970s. Ringo threw it in a closet. Later, he decided to give it to a friend who had helped him as a tech. Years later, that friend asked Ringo if he would sign the letter stating he had used it with the Beatles. Ringo obliged so that this person could sell it and make some money, or just Mm. to get rid of them. So even (laughs) a letter provenance actually signed by a beetle cannot always be taken at face value so now one is left with a drum Ringo never played and never used with the, ba- the Beatles. so what should the real value be maybe closer to $2,000 for a, a drum that Ringo threw in his closet and the wow. lesson of course always be skeptical
0: wow mm, that is crazy well, I tell you what, Jim, I am a George girl and I can't wait to hear you talk about the film and, you know, answer questions and give your insight and tell us tell us how much the audience is going to love this film.
2: Well, I think they're going to really enjoy it if they even if they've seen it before because it's such a rich film and it's it shows that, you know, it shows what George went through first uh, growing up, then as a Beatle, and, I mean, to come out of the Beatle thing, the Beatle mania with your sanity, quite mm-hmm. good. And I'm sure that his spiritual learnings really helped him get through that period. And mm-hmm. I always felt that George, uh, and I think this comes through in the movies, that George really was sort of the soul or the conscience for the group, and, yeah. and that's what I really admired. And, and, of course, one of the best things about the fact that I've been able to work with the Beatles and the Harrisons is getting to meet the family members, and Olivia and Danny Harrison are just wonderful people. Getting to meet Jeff Lynn, he's, he's a really cool guy, uh, I'm buddies with uh, the uh, Harrison and Wilbury's drummer Jim Keltner, and and of course Klaus Voorman, and and just imagine sitting at the Apple Corps Beatles conference table one day, chatting with Neil Aspinall about music. You know, it just doesn't get any better than that. Asking yeah. questions. It's a uh, I've had a great life and. I it's I have to tell you well, I have to reveal a secret for the first time on the show. When I was ten years old and I was looking at the back of Al- Beatle albums covers, I said, "I want to work for these guys someday."
0: So, uh,
2: is that coming true? Wow,
0: that is amazing. That is amazing. You're inspirational for for everyone that uh, does actually have a dream like that when they're young young child. That's yeah, young super cool.
2: Follow their passion.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Jim, we are also really thrilled to hear your 10 o'clock Saturday morning talk on the 13 day beetle, or as you would say, the beetle who vanished, Mr. Jimmy Nichol, who filled in for Ringo for 13 days on the 1964 World Tour. So tell us a little bit about that presentation.
2: Well, "Beatle Beetle Who Vanished is a recent bestseller. It's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame permanent library and archives. And it is uh, it is the first historical account of Jimmy Nickel, a relatively unknown drummer, whose journey from humble beginnings to saving the Beatles' first world tour was really only one part of his legend, uh, uh, though his 13 days of fame made you know, worldwide headlines, the true mystery of Jimmy Nichols' story is riddled with blacklisting, betrayal, drugs, divorce, bankruptcy, Mm. and an eventual disappearance that led many to question whether he was dead or alive. Mm. Until my book came out, he only merited one sentence in Beatle history and no sentences in British music history books. So it was a challenge to see if I could find someone who never wanted to be found. Hmm. I had a lot of questions that, you know, ultimately I was able to answer and put into the book, such as what did Nickel do to get this job? What was his backstory? Not anybody could fill in for Ringo. Why was he chosen? Why did he already know Ringo's drum parts? What was it like inner circle of Beatlemania? What did Nickel do after the Beatles? Who was the rocker that, bo- that the Beatles and Jimmy Nickel had already played together with, but separately, before he ended up on an airplane with this guy and the Beatles headed to Hong Kong? And what did Nickel do after the Beatles? Most importantly, how did he handle his 15 minutes of fame? And finally, was he dead or alive? Um, It was a a fun uh, detective exploration, and uh, a lot of people like it. Butch Vig, who's a producer, he's produced Nirvana, Foo Fighters, Paul McCartney, and a few others, and he had this to say about the book. Quote, this is a fascinating and mysterious must-read for hardcore Beatle fans and anyone who wants to understand the meteoric rise to pop stardom and the subsequent crash landing. And uh, then in 2018, well, actually in 2017, I optioned the film rights to Alex Orbison, the son of Roy Orbison, and Ashley Hamilton, the son of George Hamilton, and the stepson of Rod Stewart. Wow. And we then made a deal in 2018 with a British film studio named ECOS Films, who Jude may know because they produced the movie Nowhere Boy about John Lennon's early adolescence. Right. As well as a very uh, hilarious historic film called Royal Night Out about Princess Elizabeth and Margaret before Elizabeth became queen partying on V.E. Day in
1: 1945. (laughs) Wow.
2: Crazy Crazy uh, time. The producer of those two movies is the producer on my film, I'll be serving as executive producer and script consultant. So I'll have, have a lot of creative input as we move through the various stages of development, pre-production, and filming. So for me, it's really still hard to believe that a bestseller and a movie could come from a little self-published book about a footnote in music history and a guy who never wanted to be found. But I am just happy to be bringing this new chapter of Beatles history to the rest of the world.
1: Well, it's not just that, though. Um, you know, when I got ready to write about the world tour in 1964 in Volume 4, of the John Lennon series, I've quickly found out that very little had been written about the tour at all. Not just Jimmy Nickel, but the tour, as if the tour never existed. And had it not been for your thorough coverage of the world tour coupled with one other book, the Beatles down under those were the only, only two books that covered it. The other and not talking your major Beatles authors, experts, biographers, they jumped from the making of a hard day's night to the premiere of a hard day's night as if the world tour never existed. And had it not been for you and the stellar in depth research that you did on the world tour, I would have been really in, in bad shape. So you did much, much more than tell Jimmy Nichols' story. You brought the world tour to life as well. So thank you very, very much.
2: Thank you. I'm honored. I You know, I guess I didn't realize that I had done that, but it, that makes me happy. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it is amazing. People need to read that book. I mean, it's just a gap in Beatles history, but you filled it in and you filled it in thoroughly and very, very well. So I have to tell all the people who are listening, not only people in Walnut Ridge, but all around the area, you have got to come out and hear Jim speak. We are so blessed that he's going to be speaking twice, plus narrating the film. So if you're living in Texas, Tennessee, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi, Walnut Ridge is just a hop, skip, and a jump from you. It's only one hour from Memphis, that's it. It's only two hours from Little Rock. I mean, that's nothing. Uh, it, that you can get, in, get off work on Friday afternoon at five o'clock and be there in time for Jim's presentation. It's really close to Shreveport, Louisiana, to Dallas, to Nashville, so many of the places that the Beatles loved, and I know they are fans out there, so we want to encourage you to get in the car, Come up to Walnut Ridge and enjoy this two day free festival. We're expecting all of you to motor over for the weekend. This is your official invitation to join us. You'll be able to buy Jim's book and get him to sign it for you and personalize it. You'll be able to talk with him about this upcoming film of his. You'll get to to sit with him. What a rare opportunity to sit with the official historian and watch George Harrison living in the material world. And he's gonna share his insights with us, not only on the film, but on some rare Beatles mysteries and collectibles. So mark your calendars for September 20th and 21st and be there.
0: It is spectacular. I can't wait. Just hearing Jude talk about all of it, I cannot wait. it, It is going to be such a great weekend. So, Jim, where can all of our listeners find you on social media so they can keep up with what you're doing before Beatles at the Ridge?
2: Sure. Well, I can be reached uh, at Facebook under the name Jim Birkenstad of course. I also have a Facebook page called Rock and Roll Detective that has nearly 5,000 followers. So that's a a way to keep up with uh, what's going on. Uh, Also, you can sign up for my newsletter at thebeetlewhovanished.com, and you can see videos of Jimmy Nickel in action there and you can order a signed copy of the book from the website and you'll want to read that before the film comes out. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. uh, I'm on Instagram as Rock and Roll Detective. I'm on Twitter as@ uh, at Rock Detective. And for all the projects and news about all of my work, you can visit my general website rock and that's AND Rock and roll
1: I love it. I love it. Well, 22 days until we all reconnoiter in Walnut Ridge, we're going to celebrate that wonderful and momentous day in 1964 when the Fab Four surreptitiously landed in that sleepy town in northeast Arkansas. 22 days before we we gather to sing Beatles songs. Cameron Hicks is going to be doing the entire Help LP from beginning to end, and we'll be able to sing along. We're going to get to see those rare candid photos in the Argenta collection. These are unposed candid photos that, people have never seen before and we're going to get to tour the Beatles inspired art collection that Ken Orth has put together from all over the world pieces of art inspired by the LPs of the Beatles it's called meet the lookalikes and it's just 22 days until we see you again our dear friend our rock and roll detective so leave us with your thought for the day give us your favorite Beatle quote if you would.
2: Sure. Well, this one is is timely, too, because if you follow the news, uh, you may have heard about this particular country. But when the, the Beatles landed in America for the first time, they had an impromptu press conference at the airport, and one journalist asked the group, so how do you find America on your first visit? And, of course, John Lennon quipped, Justin left at Greenland. <laughs> that was like the greatest quote of all time by the beatles it just it made me laugh and it made a lot of sense and of course you know our president wants to buy greenland so it's just perfect timing
0: (laughs) that's great (laughs) that is great i love it jim thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule to be on our show it's it truly is an honor and we look
1: forward to seeing you soon Yes, Jim, thank you so much. And uh, one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about, but you might explain it to people when you're at the Ridge, is you are the only historian who got the spelling of Jimmy Nichols' name correct. And it'll be interesting for people to find out on Saturday morning how you sleuth that out when no one else did. So we cannot wait to see you.
2: Well, thank you so much. It was great being on your show and I really am looking forward to talking to all the folks at the Beatles at the Ridge. And I'm and if we ever get any free time while we're there, I'm really looking forward to talking to the two of you and your husbands and having a lot of fun and laughs together.
1: Well, Can't we, wait. we are here to. Not to. Thank you so much, Jim.
2: Thanks again.
1: Take
0: care. Have a good day. The Rock and Roll Detective is not the only author and artist that you're going to be at Beatles at the Ridge there is so so much more and here to tell us all about the great speakers and vendors and artists and musicians who are going to be making this weekend so very special is our 2019 official Beatles at the Ridge MC Susan Ryan. Susan welcome welcome to She Said She Said. Hi I'm so happy to be with you
3: guys. It's been a
0: long
1: time. Yeah, we're so glad to have you, Susan. Thank you, thank you, because we know you're in Canada actually visiting your son, so thank you for calling in.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, not a problem. My pleasure. I'm glad that I was able to make it happen.
1: Well, you know, for years, I have been trying to get you to the ridge. And uh, both Lena and I have always admired the incredible work you do at the Fest for Beatles fans. In fact, you know my story. I saw you on the stage at the Fest years ago and said, someday, I'm going to be like Susan Ryan. So I always wanted to do exactly what you do. And I have to tell our listeners that for this year, Susan, for the first time, was a major MC at the Fest. She interviewed both groups of authors on Friday night, and I don't know when I have seen anybody do the thorough job that you did. It was remarkable. So, well, thank um, you. <laughs> you're really, really good, and we are thrilled that you're going to be able to take some time off from your Fab Four NYC walking tours of you know, famous Beatles places and hangouts and places that the Beatles frequented around Manhattan to come and serve as our official MC of Beatles at the Ridge. We are chuffed, as they say in Liverpool. So as our welcoming hostess, tell our listeners a little bit about the authors who are going to be participating in the Ridge this year.
3: Well, we're going to have a lot of authors at the Ridge this year. Uh, We're going to, starting with Terry Crane, who has a new book, um, on U.S. Beatles memorabilia, we have uh, Patricia Gallo-Stenman, who is the author of Diary of the Beatle Maniac, and she's also going to be showcasing her Beatles collection. We've got a couple of other authors as well. Uh, we've got Jim Birkenstadt, of course, who's going to be talking about uh, various projects that he has. We've got Ken Orth, who is actually an artist, and he's got a collection called Meet the Lookalikes, which is art pieces and album covers and other art that is inspired by the Beatles. And he's got a special exhibit about the 50th anniversary of, of Abbey Road that he's going to be showing. My husband, Jim Ryan, is not going to be speaking, but he's going to be there with his book of fiction stories about, about the Beatles that are all uh, alternate history type stories. I think you'd be interested in that. And uh, we also have Terry Whitney, the rock and rhymer, who they're going to be there with her poetry. And last but very much not least, we have Sarah Schmidt, who has been at the Ridge many times and is this year going to be discussing a new book that she's working on about the U.S. Beatles fan clubs. Yeah, So she's got this new book that's coming out, and she's very excited. She spoke a little bit about it at the fest, and everybody was really excited to hear about her project. So it's going to be really exciting. Sarah is is actually opening the the, uh, Beatles at the Ridge for us. So if you're there early, you'll hear Sarah talking about her new book.
1: Yeah, this is, I'm just jumping Absolutely. in here real quickly, and I'll hand it back to Landa, but we, last night, Sarah and Terry and Patty and I started comparing notes on the memorabilia that we're going to be bringing, and some of the things that are going to be there, people will have never seen before, and I'll just give you an example. I'm bringing John Lennon's forks from the Electra 2 off of the 1964 North American tour, as well as a booze bottle that Paul swiped from the galley on the Electra 2 and was purloined by the stewardess because she thought that Paul was too young to have alcoholic beverages, which, of course, he wasn't. And, but he had already emptied the bottle and sealed it, you know, closed it back up. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing that. We've got a lot of very rare signed pieces. So I think people are going to, they're going to go nuts. So anyway, it, I just it wanted so to absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: absolutely. really
1: exciting to see all this stuff.
0: And Mm -hmm. we have a late addition to our lineup, the fantastic Bruce
3: Spizer.
0: Do you have information on Bruce's new book, Susan?
3: Well, Bruce, um, I I don't have too much information on it. Um, Bruce actually last year, well, a couple of years ago, did a book about Sergeant Pepper, and this year he's got a book about Abbey Road, but he's going to be bringing copies with him and discussing. He's the keynote speaker, so he's going to be talking about his book and about the 50th anniversary of Abbey Road. You know, this is a very big year Excellent. with 50, 50 years of Abbey Road. So it's really Perfect. going to be, you know, discussing a lot of interesting stuff. And uh, it'll be very exciting. I think people will be, you know, Bruce's books are, you know, they're they're renowned. and Yeah, they're very um, scholarly. Exactly. And for him to be, you know, showcasing a new book at the Ridge is very exciting. And, and people who are really into it are going to just love hearing what he has to say.
0: Yeah. Last time he was at the Ridge, he gave a spectacular presentation it was it just made your face hurt you were smiling so much it was really terrific (laughs) so we're really looking looking forward to that and besides having louise harrison's band liverpool legends perform on saturday night we also have our own team star cameron hicks performing in the studio on main street on friday afternoon right susan
3: Yes, Friday afternoon for 3.30 to 4.15, Cameron is going to be doing a musical performance of the entire Help LP. Now, those of you who have been to the Ridge before know what a talented performer Cameron is. He's a great guy. He's a great kid. I was fortunate enough to meet him and his parents when they came to New York a few years ago and uh, took them on my tour and uh, took them out for dinner. And um, Cameron's just, just terrific and talented, and you're really in for a treat if you hear him perform because he's amazing. He really is.
1: He is so so sincere and sweet and loves the Beatles so much. And I have to say that, you know, John Lennon loved New York City so much. And he made it his home and, and really felt that that's where he belonged. So we feel like having Susan and Jim there this year is going to give us that New York City connection. And you will fall in love with the Ryans. Susan is going to bring so much life. To Beetles at the Ridge, and we're just we're really thrilled, Susan, that you're going to be with us. So um, thank you for making the trek, because you're going to trek all the way across country to get there, aren't you?
3: We are. We're driving from New York. We're actually making it a bit of a vacation. We're going to stop on the way in Ohio to visit some friends and family. So we're taking a little trip before we get to the Ridge. But uh, my husband and I actually spent some time in Arkansas on our honeymoon 23 years ago, but well, we mm-hmm. haven't been back since so uh, we're going back and we loved it we had a wonderful time we were in uh, western Arkansas we went to Eureka Springs for our honeymoon but we're uh, very excited to be um, going to Walnut Ridge this year because we haven't been back to Arkansas since we got married and we know what Mm -hmm. a wonderful place it is and we're really excited to meet everyone and see people and have a great time we've been trying to get to the ridge for years and finally are making it happen
1: Well, we are delighted, and I want to tell everyone who's considering whether they should come or not, other than the symposium, which is incredible and free, there is so much to hear and see and do in that town. They have created a guitar so large that it can be seen from outer space, and it tells you the story of the rock and roll highway as you walk around it. There is a life-size sculpture of the Beatles crossing Abbey Road, which is a great photo op. There's wonderful barbecue to taste, cute little shops to visit, great Beatles vendors such as Bud Laval, who has been for years a standard staple at the Fesper Beatles fans. Everybody adores Bud. And sweet Rita Lokerson with her Beatles clothing and jackets and blankets and jewelry. She's going to be there. Tammy Chambers, who comes from the Dallas area, from Texas, with her Beatles jewelry. There is going to be so much to see and do. Good food, great fun, and so we, we, we're we looking forward to it, aren't we, Susan? Very much so. I'm really excited to be part of uh, Beatles
3: at the Ridge this year. You know, it's been, it's been in the works for so many years. I can't believe it's finally going to happen. So now yeah. I'm very excited that I'm going to be there and be able to participate.
1: Well, thank you so, so much, and, you know, if people want to... Learn more. They can go to our website, which is beetlesattheridge.com, dot com, and Susan's all over that the Beetles at the Ridge Facebook page. So you guys check it out. Definitely, definitely. And you'll get a lot of
3: great information.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, only twenty two more days, and then Susan, you can drive your car down from New York <laughs> City to Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, and we're going to twist and shout Woo-hoo! and. All of you out there get packing to join us September twentieth and twenty first in the studio in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas for a free Beatles Festival and Symposium, Beatles at the Ridge. Doors are going to be open at noon on Friday with speakers all afternoon and we'll close up around eight thirty that evening. And then all day Saturday from eight thirty A. M. till about 730 PM and we'll have wonderful presentations, films, fun, prizes. Oh my gosh, you are not going to believe it. So until then, here's to Food for Thought, Food for the Soul, and Food for
1: the Love of Rock and Roll. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susan. We appreciate your being here so much. We'll see y'all in Arkansas. And yes. guys, tara and shine on.